0: Pastor
1: Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Faith-Based Business Podcast. We are so blessed that you are joining us today. How many of you out there are running your own business? Now, don't get hummock on that term, you know, running a business. I mean, if you're working for a company, you're running a business. You're trying to do your job, obtain recognition, pay raises, job security. You're in the business of basically promoting yourself within the company. If you're in full-time ministry, I guarantee you're running a business. If you're self-employed, you're running a business. If you're in the corporate world, you're running a business. Basically, unless you're in heaven already and left this earth, you're in the process of running a business, amen? Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Our guest today is Robert Poole, a West Point graduate, praise God. Because of that, of course, he's a former army officer as I was. He's worked in commercial and residential real estate and corporate recruiting, investment and sales, all prior to co-founding Total Business Results, a business-to-business cold calling appointment setting and lead generation marketing company. As an experienced business-to-business marketer, Robert and his marketing business was thriving. They specialized in cold call marketing for other businesses for more than 22 years. Then, unexpectedly, he lost his business partner and Found himself now running the company by himself with the workload that usually took two people and kept him busy. So we can understand how that kind of stress would rapidly build up to a dangerous level with not enough time in the day every day and and how that would drastically affect his personal life also. But he found himself drawing closer to God. And as usually is the case, God opened a way to untie himself for the day to day operations of the business to become an owner of the business instead of a operator in the business. And now he helps other entrepreneurs make that same transition from operator to owner, gain that free time. And if you're being honest with yourself, is probably the reason you entered the business world anyway. Amen. So I know I can use this information. Praise God. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Hallelujah. Help me welcome to the program, Robert Poole. Praise God. Robert, thank you for taking the time to join us today. I do appreciate it.
2: Yes. Thank you, best of Bob. Great to be here.
1: This should be fun. man. Uh, the first question that I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Robert Poole?
2: Uh, Robert Poole is, um, first of all, uh, a, a slave uh, and uh, to our Lord and uh, Savior, uh, Jesus. And uh, I'm a, a father, a businessman, um, and uh, hopefully a, a good citizen. Uh, we'll say it, all those things, you know. Man. So a uh, good husband, don't want to forget that one, of
1: course. Amen. Amen. And as we get started, I want to take the time to thank you for your time in military service. You know, I try to recognize every veteran that we get on the program because, you know, as we discussed before in our conversations back and forth through email, you know, I, I spent 12 years in the Army. And it's still a, as a cavalry officer, and it's still a very much a part of who I am today. And I just enjoy talking to other vets who are a blessing to others as they continue down their path of life as well. So I thank you for making that sacrifice in that part of your life.
2: Yes, uh, and thank you, uh, likewise. Um, but uh, I uh, I have a, a big heart uh, for uh, veteran business owners uh, as well, because uh, like you said, uh, we don't leave that behind that experience right. that really affects us the rest of our lives. And the lessons I learned in the military uh, have just been invaluable in, in business and in life. So uh, we're very blessed to have had that experience. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, amen. As a matter of fact, yeah, my family kind of gets sick of me using the military terminology all the time, you know. But uh, like this morning, uh, four thirty in the morning, I'd take my son-in-law to the airport, and uh, you know, so okay, I'll be there at four thirty. And as zero four thirty hours, I pulled in the driveway. And he goes exactly four thirty. I said, "Cavalry time, plus or minus <laughs> one minute."
2: that's right
1: (laughs) i hit that ld on the dot every time yeah that's right (laughs) that
2: that that means a lot in business and life these days you you can kind of tell a lot of times what kind of background people have just based on
1: that exactly exactly well let's jump into the big upset in your life that basically got you where you're at today You, you lost your longtime business partner in 2017 that changed your trajectory for both your business and your life. And can you share some of the details and how that affected you personally and professionally?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you kind of gave my background. We had built up a very successful company, and uh, we started from ground zero. Both of us had nothing. I was single at the time, and um, we uh, we had a great partnership. He became like a brother to me, and we were just family. And my wife used to refer to him as uh, my real wife because uh, I spent more time with him. Him, I've I heard that term heard, before.
1: <laughs> yes, you know.
2: Um, So I was very blessed. Uh, you know, unfortunately, in, in business, a lot of partnerships don't end up well. And uh, I think they say the divorce rate is higher than in the normal population with b- business partners. But I was very blessed. So um, but we we had really complimented each other and he handled a big portion of, of the company and I handled the the rest and he would handle he was sort of the public face of the company um you know that he was more outgoing gregarious type of personality and he liked the spotlight and I was the opposite you know um uh, although I'd had a background in sales and marketing wasn't um I w- wasn't in a hurry to uh to be the the big cheese uh, standing out there in front of uh, everything and uh suddenly um it was um the uh, 4th of july in uh, 2017 uh, on the on the 5th i i came uh into work uh, that morning and he didn't and um turns out he had had a heart attack the the night before okay. and uh so it was one of those just you know shocking things in life you know that you go through and uh, you know so suddenly i was thrust into the spotlight of um uh, being you know uh solely in charge of this multi-million dollar company with all these employees and um, You know, and I wasn't used to the spotlight. And, you know, it's funny when you have a partnership, you always have a little bit of a mental crutch because something goes wrong. You can say, well, you know, you know, <laughs> my partner should have that maybe that's partially his fault, you know, whatever. But, you know, now suddenly the buck stopped with me and you know, prior to that, I would be able to take plenty of time off. I took three weeks off my honeymoon. You know, I oh. I was able to go to all my kids' stuff, you know, just no big deal and without a care in the world. And, you know, quite frankly, I didn't work that many hours, you know, um, just because we got in the business to that place. And, um and then, in one day, that suddenly went away, and so there i was uh you know, at the office at four in the morning till seven at night, uh trying to do things six, seven days a week, and realized uh you know I just couldn't handle this myself and um and then there were all kinds of financial problems on top of it um you know uh we we had made the mistake of we had um you know they call key man or key person policies insurance policies on each other in yeah. case one passed away to buy out the other's uh, estate and uh, unfortunately we let our policies la- lapse and because uh, we thought oh well, we'll get them done when we're in better shape you know we'll eat better in the next 6 months and uh that didn't happen so suddenly uh, I'm uh, liable for literally millions of dollars um to his estate that um, I didn't have the money for so um you know there was a lot of a lot of financial problems and things that you realize oops should have handled those uh, before so uh, as as a business owner if you have a partnership uh do not let that happen I can tell yeah. you for for sure um and uh so I, I mean, it was a really high stress situation you know I didn't know do I fold the company do I uh try to sell it um do I try to keep running it myself and you know, um, and it's time, it's those times in life when typically when you are faced with tragedy or real difficulty, when we tend to to turn to God, uh, yeah. you know, when things are going great, we kind of, sometimes some of us forget he's even there, you know, and, yeah. oh, thanks God, but, you know, I got this handled, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I'd been a Christian since, you know, I was nine years old and um, grew up in a Christian household and everything, but, you know, my my faith had waxed and waned like a lot of people over the years, and, um, and I wouldn't consider myself at that point, you know, real close to, um, to God, but, um, that situation really forced me to make some changes, uh, in my, um, view of life and, uh, really what my, my mission was, why I'm here. And, uh, and that was one of the biggest lessons is that it really forced me to change and, and realize, you know, a few things. And it all started by, it sounds so simple, you know, as a pastor, you know, us, us lay people, you know, um, but I just started reading the gospels at night, you know, I said, I'm going to start reading it, no matter what, before I go to bed, I'm going to read 10 minutes, whatever, you know, and I started that habit and to still do it to this day. And Amen. the beginning of that habit is really what what was the, what became the avalanche of changes in my life. Uh, if something as small as that, you know, um, amen. so there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but that's kind of the, the situation that, that happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And you mentioned, uh, that Matthew ten twenty nine is the big scripture for you. Go ahead and explain that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, um, throughout my life, you know, you, you hear different people say, well, everything happens for a reason. And then some people say, well, no, it's that, you know, where God's kind of hands off. And, you know, again, as a pastor, you know, obviously if, know this stuff. Um, but for us, you know, um, the, the average kind of go to the sermon once a week, Christian, you know, um, that, you know, doesn't spend a lot of time studying the Bible, um, which I hadn't, um, I, I vacillated on that, but I, in those readings, I stumbled on that, that concept, um, and Matthew 10, 29, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but basically that's the, where Jesus is talking about worry and, you know, how we, we shouldn't worry about tomorrow that, uh, um, that, uh, And he uses the example, he said, are two sparrows sold for a penny, and yet uh, not one of them falls to the ground um, without your father's consent. And that's kind of a mix of translations, but but I think that's the best concept. And so I started to realize that my entire life, all these things that were happening to me, um, God was still completely in control. He's sovereign, and I didn't really... I guess it really, really hit home to me what that meant, sovereign, um, absolute control. Um, and, you know, so I started seeing other things throughout the Bible. You know, if, if you look at the first two chapters of Job, where he's having the conversation with Satan and basically tell Satan, okay, you can mess with Job, but you're not allowed to, you know, physically hurt him first. And then second time, you can physically mess with him, you know, his health and everything, but you can't kill him. And so in other words, even over Satan, God has complete control. And what that what that meant for me, what changed my mentality, was that um, I realized that these things that were happening to me were actually happening for me. That God was using these things, um, these quote tragedies, uh, to help me grow as a person. And, and doesn't mean that they are necessarily pleasurable, or, you know, or that I wouldn't want to have my business partner back. But um, you know, we wouldn't be talking today, for instance, uh, yeah. if if that hadn't happened, because, yeah, yeah, um, that's right, you know, uh, it forced me to change who I was uh, and who I was in business and who I am as a person, you know. Um, so it, it all really started that. And again, it started with that little tiny habit of, you know, and I you admit, you know, I'm not a great studier, you know, I just kept reading, you know, just like I was reading a novel and over and over and over again, you know, and yeah. it started to sink in, you know, so, yeah. uh, but it all kind of started there, you know.
1: Amen. Yeah, I I, I agree wholeheartedly. And you know, the uh, you talk about you wouldn't be where you're at today. You know, if I would have been promoted, uh, I got out in 1989, so it was a couple of years before the first call for. But if you're familiar with what happened over there, Desert Storm, when they did that 600 mile end run to come in behind them, uh, our unit was attached to that task force. So I would have been probably a, at least a troop commander, if oh, wow. not, you know, in working at S3 or something like that, for that movement, right? But seeing as how I got out in 89, uh, you know, I, I didn't do any of that. And uh, the, to this day, that's still, you know, it's like, mm, you know, I trained my whole life for that type thing. Yeah. But God knew where he would need me now. And mm-hmm. I can I, I I tell my wife all this all the time. I can guarantee that if I had not gotten out then, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. I can guarantee it. Yep. You know, because I, I might not be here. One, you know, mm-hmm. or things could be different. And, you know, but with, uh, without going up. But yeah, God is in control. That same scripture has got me through a lot. <laughs> it really yes. has. You yes. Know? Yes. And, and when and, when you and, you know it reminds me of the story where. uh two old guys deacons of the church were standing out front and you know things weren't going good and they're talking about it and they said well i think we should pray and one said i think we should pray and the other one said has it come to that (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) when things go wrong finally they said why don't we pray to God about this? And God's like, finally,
2: <laughs> yes, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's so funny because as humans, we're, we're just as uh, we're so comfortable with the status quo that, yeah. that God, you know, he, he has to push us, you know, he has to get us to, to grow, to do things, you know, because, If he just leaves us alone to do our own thing, it's like we won't do anything, you know. Uh, Exactly. Make the wrong decisions, (laughs) you know. So, uh, being being pushed into things is is can be very
1: good thing, you know. Amen. Amen. Uh, How how does social media promotions tie into business to business marketing in this day and time which we live? It seems like social media is all you know cat pictures and what you're eating for breakfast and you know TikTok dance videos. How does that, how can you tie social media into business to business marketing today?
2: Uh, Well, and apologize if you can hear a horn honking for some reason, somebody's alarm is going on outside my office. Uh, But um, yeah, no, social media uh, is, um, you know, of course when I started, you know, we all started with cold calling back in, you know, I got started in the mid nineties, you know, I got out in 96 and, um, and there was no social media per se, you know? And uh, so I started the old school way of marketing, you know, and um you know so people ask that question a lot these days you know um and i've been on a few digital marketing podcasts to address this issue you know um you know is cold calling still relevant for one uh mm-hmm. cuz you know it's a it's changed certainly from the getting calls at your dinner table you know type of <laughs> uh you know thing that that doesn't happen anymore thank god you know um but um uh but it's it's like any marketing tool i think um it has to be used in the right situation you know so When you use something like cold calling, um, you can use that as a part of a strategy. Um, And if you use it with something like social media, with digital marketing in general, um, they can enhance each other. You can get that synergy that you can't get using either one of them by themselves. And so, um, you know, and of course, it has to be the right particular um, uh, technique for the right company because... You know, every guru out there will tell you that oh, you know, you got to run Facebook ads, or you've got to do SEO, or PPC, or whatever you know, um, or you got to do cold calling, or you know, you got to do networking, you know, any number of things, and and of course uh, that's generally what they're selling you is whatever they're telling you is <laughs> is going to yeah. work for you. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I just know. happen to have the the tool that'll help you with that.
2: Yes, we got the Holy yeah. Grail for you right that's
1: here, right. Um,
2: right. and I we just happen to offer it. Um, but uh, what I found is that. You know, um, most marketing techniques are not going to work for your company. And that sounds bad, but, um, the, uh, the truth is that there are a few marketing techniques, um, for your particular company based upon your industry, to based upon how you run things, your personalities, um, based upon your customers, all those factors that go into it and say, you know, is that, um, is this particular technique going to be the most effective? Uh, and we should put all of our efforts into that. So, um, you know, things like social media, you know, tend to, um, for instance, if you want to, uh, let me put it this way, uh, if you want to compare and contrast a, like a cold calling type of thing generally works with higher ticket items, you know, um, mm-hmm. if you're selling a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar CRM system to a corporation, you know, you're probably not going to run a Facebook ad and get, and get somebody to, hey, I'll put that in my shopping cart, you know, right. um. But oh, you know, then again, if you yeah,
1: do you take PayPal?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so if you but if you're selling, you know, a $27 widget or whatever, you know, I mean you're not gonna cold call somebody about that. So again, it it it's uh, dependent on the situation. And I think we sometimes um you know try to you know uh, do everything for one. Uh, we try to, you know, we've got to I've got to do social media, I've got to do cold calling, i got to do networking, I gotta, you know, you go through this list. Because uh, we think we're supposed to do all these things as a business owner. But the truth is that we we only really need to focus on a couple things in a couple areas, find out which ones are best for us and focus on those things. Um, and so and, you know, usually the best way to do that is trial and error and a little bit of testing, you know, um, and anybody who's involved in social media knows that testing is, you know, you know the number one thing you got to do but i think it applies to just marketing in general you know from a wider standpoint so uh yeah definitely
1: and and i know that your email marketing services are tied together with your outbound calling program Mm -hmm. how do you how do you use these methods to actually like get someone in front of a decision maker that may not respond to like social media you know they're they're like I don't want nothing to do with social media. I, I you know, I have a secretary that, you know, stops me from getting phone calls. You know, how, so how do you break through all that?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, um, uh, it goes back to the, uh, as one of my, my mentors early on in, in business said, uh, everything works sometimes, uh, and nothing works every time. So, um, you know, it's all about the numbers of course, but, um, you know, you've got to, when it comes to like, uh, outbound uh things like cold calling um you've got to it all comes down to follow-up um all the money is always in follow-up and that and that actually is not just cold calling but it's any kind of marketing um you know just with email or anything else so um, you know, if you, like when we do a, a cold call for a, a business client, um, you know, as an example, uh, maybe a commercial insurance agent, which is one of our big uh, industries we do a lot in, um, and they're trying to uh, find companies that they can write their, their group health policy or their group property and casualty, you know, that type of thing. Um, so, we'll try to get them in the door. And, um, of course, you, you call somebody and You know, you might catch them on the right day that they're like, you know what? I was just thinking about getting some quotes for, you know, or I was just got off with a problem with my insurance company. This is the right day, you know, Uh, but that's the lottery ticket. That doesn't happen very often. Um, What usually happens is you find somebody who's, you know, has some level of interest, like, "Eh," you know, you can contact me down the road. uh, And then you start that marketing process with um, things like the email uh, campaigns. We used to do fax campaigns, but they're not as, you know, you don't use faxes <laughs> these days, you know, uh, but same concept. Um, so you use a combination of, you know, follow-up calls to those people, um, emails to those people. Uh, and you can even, uh, once you've got their email and everything, you can you can target them with social media. So you can start, it's the cold call is sort of an entry point uh, to allow you to do and use all those other marketing tools. Uh, and again, it's one of those things that uh, where the follow-up is, is where the money is. And unfortunately, that's where most um, salespeople in general and most businesses fail is in the follow-up. They'll, they'll run one ad or they'll make one cold call or, what you know, for a contact and then, yeah. you know, give up. And just doesn't work that way. You know, we are just bombarded with information these days, and and we've got to be repeatedly exposed to it. So,
1: amen. Amen. I know online meetings are used a lot today. And and take this interview, for example. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're in Arizona, I'm in Maryland. It just would not be cost effective to have to travel across the country to accomplish what we're doing today online. Right. Mm -hmm. But the question I have for you is this How can you use this method of online meetings to create that personal connection? that you discuss, like in your YouTube videos.
2: Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, one of the things that, you know, it's, uh, again, going back to that concept of sometimes what appears as, you know, tragic events can actually, there's a lot of good things that get forced into coming out of it. So take COVID, for instance, uh, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation on zoom prior to COVID. I mean, we were starting to play with it a little bit as a company, but, you know, Uh, Most people were not comfortable with it uh, at that time. And uh, now it's just a common thing. Everybody, you know, jumps on a Zoom call, you know. Um, And the reason is because... When you look at psychologically, you know, the best way to connect to another human being is obviously in person, shaking their hand. You know, you you can't replicate that. Um, the the next, next best thing uh, is what we're doing, uh, because I can see the facial expressions that you're making. I can yeah. I can, you know, look at that and go, oh, you're getting all those signals that we pick up on as humans that we don't even realize. Um, and in the past, the only the closest thing was doing a telephone call. Which you can pick up a lot with voice, but you use lose body language and all those types of things. Um, you know, I think uh, I mean this has been years and years, but I think it was like they said like 85% of the communication was lost over the phone because you that's where the body language comes in. Oh yeah. Um, so now that we've got this video aspect to it, um, that's why I I highly encourage people because I know some people are still uncomfortable on camera, but um, you know, it's you just gotta. Quit worrying about yourself and, you know, um, hey, you're just meeting somebody, you know, it's no different. But um again, using um, you know, opportunities where how do you how do you take those online leads? You know, you've made contact with somebody, maybe you cold called them, maybe you they responded to an ad, whatever, um, you know, and offer to to set up and, and talk to them, you know, one-on-one, like we're talking. Uh, and people have become much more responsive and open to that idea. Uh, and so I, I'm always a hundred percent in favor of doing a Zoom over, you know, a phone call, uh, or a, you know, back and forth on, on any other you know, electronic way, um, just because it's so much more effective. And, uh, so I, it, in my, the way I do it is that, uh, I don't even offer a phone call a lot of times. I'll say, Hey, let's have a, you know, let's have a Zoom meeting, you know, uh, and that way, you know, you, you go right into it. So right. uh, I'm a yeah. big believer in the video yeah. part.
1: Yeah. Hey amen. When uh, I started using, I, I used to have different platforms I'd do my interviews on, you know, Skype and you know, the other stuff. And it was just audio. because This was audio only podcast. Mm-hmm. But once I started using zoom, the podcast interview, the actual episode got better. And mm-hmm. I liken it that, you know, we're just having a conversation like we're sitting at the kitchen table, having a cup of coffee you know yeah and and that personal interaction because I see you you see me and, and like I say it's just like we're sitting there at the kitchen table having a great yeah. conversation and we just have to have a recorder on you know? yeah but where before it was like you know eh, you know is was, was okay yeah but yeah, it yeah. sometimes it's
2: cool. a you know a voice on the other end of the phone right. you know it's not quite the same thing but you know it's uh, yeah. I feel like I've made more friends in the last few years just on you know um, video that I mean people that I never would have met you know in person. Yep. Uh, Amen. and, uh, you know, so it's, uh, a, it's a definitely a, a positive change, you know?
1: Yep. Amen. Amen. That's so true. Now let's discuss the terms that mean a lot to you from what I could tell owner and operator. Can you share the difference with us so we can grasp what it is you're helping people with?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in my mind, uh, it's a little bit of a litmus test. I, if you, uh, can, and this is for business owners primarily, but if you, can leave your business tomorrow, go to Tahiti, not take your phone or your laptop or anything else, not check in with your office, come back in a month, and is your company still there? For one, is it in business? Uh, and two, has it grown? And if if it hasn't, or your company's out of business uh, or suffering, then you're really in operator mode um, and versus being an owner, because an owner has a different role they they are not integral to the day-to-day operations of the business the business is not dependent on them uh so and that's where i was when i went through that whole situation i found out the business was completely dependent on me even from you know we had financial valuations down the company and they basically told me yeah now it's just you the company is worth like you know 20 percent of what it was before um you know so it was a massive drop off So.
1: So, how do you know if you're an owner or an operator what's the big Uh, test yeah well
2: i would certainly do that mental test um the i call it the tahiti test you know um and um it's i think it's you'll know um in the sense that if you if you feel like you've got complete freedom and your business will function without you then you've kind of reached that holy grail of of becoming an owner um it is a spectrum of course you know there's um, you know, maybe you can leave for a week and give some instructions and everything's fine. So it's like, you're definitely on the, you know, m- on the owner end of it, but, um, you know, versus, you know, you're, you're, uh, an employee who happens to own hundred percent of the stock in the company, so to speak, uh, as an operator. Um, so it's, um, it, it is a spectrum. So it's, I, I wouldn't give it a, a, um, black and white answer, if you will.
1: So if, you know, I have employees, does that make me an owner?
2: Uh, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily. because if Good. they're, if they're, what, what, one of the things I preach is that we have to have employees who are many owners, if you will, doesn't necessarily mean they have equity in the company, but that they, they think like owners, that they Amen. feel about the company and what you're doing as owners. Um, when you've got employees like that and a team that you put together like that, then you become an owner in my opinion. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. And, and, Let's talk about employees for a minute. If someone is a solopreneur, like a speaker, author, podcaster, and they have no employees, how can they become an owner rather than be absorbed into the day-to-day activities where they're an operator?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's you know it's a different scenario, of course. Um, but when you've got things um, where you're offering that kind of value, you typically have some kind of intellectual property. Uh, in the sense that, as an example, an author has got, you know, books, of course, um, and, you know, written things that that take on the value of themselves. Um, but typically, nobody does this by themselves completely. Um, it, if you're doing everything by yourself, then you're definitely in operator mode. Um, but you can do things like, um, you know, it doesn't even necessarily mean you have to have employees. You can have contractors that you work with on a regular basis, um, you know, the that can handle the processes because process is such a critical thing, uh, you know, that great book, uh, The E-Myth with Michael Gerber that, uh, you know, I read when I was like 22 or something, uh, all about setting up systems and processes in in sort of a franchise model, if you will. Um, and that's something that 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 individual solopreneur can do um, even without, you know, formal employees uh, to be able to, to set those processes up so that things kind of run by themselves You still need a human, though, uh, so you still need people that you can count on, and those people can be contractors um, that can step in and and – you know, tweak those processes and, and monitor them and that sort of thing, but uh, it can certainly be done. It's it's a little different, but um, you know, that, that is definitely one of the, the major questions I get, but um, we've found that, uh, that making that transition um, is just important for solopreneurs as it is for, you know, somebody who has multiple
1: employees. Amen. Amen. And you offer coaching in this area to help people make that transition, correct?
2: Yes, absolutely. It's something that I've been doing. You know, I started, uh, you know, with a couple of years after I kind of felt like I'd figured things out. We started with a a small mastermind, um, you know, with current clients and some of these same concepts and and so the last few years I've been doing coaching individually. Uh, we've we've done some masterminds here and there and and uh, different group co- coaching problems uh, or programs um, and uh, so kind of all those things. So right now I'm doing a lot of individual coaching uh, just because I enjoy that that portion of it. Um, is you get a, get a little bit deeper than you do into a, you know, group type of uh, program.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I believe you're going to offer our listeners a 30-minute discovery call to see if you might be able to help them make that kind of transition.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, um, I'd love to talk to any of your listeners, um, that are, you know, in that, maybe that position I was, you know, where they're kind of, kind of stuck in there and feel like they've got to break free, you know, um, and I can offer you some tips, you know, just stuff from personal experience, you know, some strategies that, you know, you can implement right away, you know, in the next 90 days and actually have an impact on your business and start pulling yourself out. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, if you want to, Talk to me about, you know, how I can help you with that further. Great. But if not, you know, that you'll walk away with some great actionable ideas and no hard sales pitch or anything like that. So um, just uh, a value added for your audience.
1: Amen. Amen. Robert, this has been so interesting. I could talk to you for hours, man. This is great. Uh, But we're about out of time for today. If someone wanted to get in touch with you to ask a question or obtain more information or maybe do an interview like this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you?
2: You know, the, the easiest thing to do is actually just to email me directly. Um, you can email me at, at Robert at operator to owner uh, to. So it's operator to owner.net. Um, there's a the dot com is somebody else. I don't know what that company does, but <laughs> I can't figure it out. But uh, it's not what we're talking about. So just Robert at operator to owner.net would be great. Amen. Just email me and, and we can kind of take it from there.
1: Amen. And what's your website?
2: Uh total business results. That's the other way. You can feel free to give us a call as well.
1: Okay, amen. Amen. So I'll I'll put that in the show notes down below. Hallelujah. Folks, Robert Poole has successfully made that transition that we've been talking about. It's it's one that's not only desired but needful. Basically, for business owners listening to us right now, from pastors and ministers, the solopreneurs, from authors and auto mechanics to C-level executives and Plumbers to podcasters, praise God, right? Drop down to the show notes, get in touch with Robert Poole and his team right now. And I'll put his office number down there too if he wants me to do that. But uh, uh, it's just in case, you know, that's how you want to try and reach his office. But Robert, thank you for coming on the program today and blessing our listeners with the idea and some insight on how to become an owner and not just an operator in, in their own life and in their personal business. I, I, I appreciate your time and it's been great.
2: Absolutely. It's been a
1: lot of fun. Thank you, Pastor Bob. Amen. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Robert Poole and myself, this is Pastor Bob to Be blessed
0: in all that you do. You have been listening to the Faith-Based Business Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. We appreciate you as a listener and fellow believer and want to encourage you in your entrepreneurial efforts. These programs are designed to provide you with information that you can use in your business to achieve success faster and avoid the obstacles that try to impede your success. All information on this podcast is for entertainment and information use only. Some of the products and services listed in the links may contain affiliate links and Pastor Bob will earn a small commission when you click those links at no additional cost to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode is published. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.